Today's scripture is from the book of Mark, chapter 10, verses 32 through 52. Listen for the word of the Lord. They were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. They were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. He took the 12 aside again and began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. Then they will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him and spit upon him and flog him and kill him, and after three days he will rise again. James and John the sons of Zebedee came forward to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, we are able. Then Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the 10 heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, you know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. They came to Jericho. As he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, my teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. Immediately, he regained his sight and followed him on the way. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Allison. And let's pray. Oh, holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts 
be acceptable and pleasing unto you, our rock and our redeemer. For we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. What does it mean to be ambitious? That's the question I invite us to consider this morning. When is ambition a healthy thing to have, something that God even calls us to? And when can it get us into trouble? Some time ago, I was following a Volkswagen along Finley Avenue, and it had a bumper sticker that said, when I grow up, I want to become a Cadillac. <laughs> That's ambition. We're all at some point in the ambition spectrum. Are you ambitious? Ambition in and of itself comes naturally. It's how most of us are wired. Healthy ambition can be a sign of positive self-esteem. It's what parents try to instill in their children from the youngest of ages. Ambition is what motivates us to get out of bed in the morning and want to do our very best. At the heart of ambition, you might say, is a healthy appetite, a hunger for meaning and purpose. According to the Bible, it's even in our genes. In the book of Genesis, we're told how God took a lump of moist clay and fashioned it into a person and blew into that person's nostrils the breath of life and became a living being. And that word translated as living being is the word which literally means a bundle of appetites. And that's what we are, a bundle of appetites. And it's this bundle of appetites that stirs a hunger within us. And the question is, what do we do with that hunger? How do we direct it? Is it used primarily for our own advancement and satisfaction? Or is it used in support of our neighbor in need? In support of our community? Is it used to strengthen and to further the common good? This past week's Star-Ledger told the wonderful story of an 11-year-old little girl from Livingston whose vision and hard work established a children's lending library in Terminal A of Newark Airport. The idea came to her when she was on vacation with her family. They were traveling through Anchorage. The Anchorage Airport had this children's library. She said to her parents, well, Mom and Dad, if Anchorage can do it, why can't Newark do it? And with her mom's support and encouragement, they found that website where it listed all the members of the, the Port Authority, and she emailed them, and, and she phoned them, and finally she found someone who was intrigued by the idea and offered to help her. Three years later, three years of planning and meeting and seeking donations of books, that children's library in Terminal A of Newark Airport opened, all because of an 11-year-old girl who had an idea. She was excited about it, a bold idea about serving others, and she worked hard to make it a reality. 
at the grand opening this past Monday, she said, if things go well in my library, I'd like it to expand to terminals B and C, and if it goes well there, in LaGuardia and JFK. <laughs> now, there are those in the church who would say that ambition is a dirty word. Much of the teaching of Jesus, of course, focuses on the importance of humility, servanthood, sacrifice. You can't read the Gospels without being struck by those themes. And particularly in these recent weeks in the Gospel of Mark, it's a theme, an important one, that has come up again and again. The first shall be last. If you want to be great, you must become a servant. Whoever welcomes a child in my name welcomes me. It's easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than for a wealthy person to get into the kingdom of heaven. The life of faith is about humility and servanthood and sacrifice. It's not about being ambitious, we're told. It's not about making ourselves first or seeking promotion or advancement. It's about giving ourselves to others. And alongside these stories, this vital reoccurring theme, we find this morning's passage. James and John go up to Jesus and they say to him, teacher, there's something we want you to do for us. We want a promotion. Arrange it so that we will be awarded the highest places of honor in your glory. One of us at your right, one of us at your left. Not exactly an example of the spirit of humility and servanthood that Jesus so constantly teaches. And here's what I am so struck by. Jesus does not shut them down for being ambitious. He does not get angry. He, he guides them. He redirects them. He says, are you sure you know what you want to get into? In counterpoints to the truth that Jesus is not looking for milk, toast, half-hearted, or low-energy followers. Mediocrity is not the goal. He does call us to be humble and to be servants. Make no mistake about that. But he also calls us to be bold, all in, and ambitious. And so I wonder, how ambitious would you say you are in your walk of faith? How ambitious are you in the way you read your Bible or come to church or serve others on behalf of Christ. How ambitious and bold and all in are you in the ways that you give your very heart and your life unto God? Sometimes as the pastor, I'm asked, what does it mean to be a member of this congregation? What are the expectations? What's required? How ambitious, how hardworking, how determined of a Christian do we ask folks to be? They're fascinating questions. I often give a less than succinct and direct answer. I probably should give a more direct one. How would you answer it? Might God be calling us to become even more ambitious in our journey of faith? Whoever we are, where, wherever we are on that journey, it's the core question I invite us to consider this second Sunday in Lent. 
Might God be calling us to become even more ambitious in the ways that we love and follow Almighty God? As individuals, as a, a church family, what might that look like? What might we need to remove from our lives? And what might we need to add to our lives? What would it look like for us to be off the charts ambitious in our commitment to continuing the ministry that Jesus began? It's been said that you only achieve much if you aim for much. You may undershoot the target, but you will rarely overshoot the target. Sometimes we expect so little of ourselves. We expect so little of God. Sometimes we make our goals so attainable, so safe, so unambitious. We miss out on the chance to live the adventure of discipleship that God calls us to. The disciples ask if they can sit at his right hand and at his left hand. Jesus says, are you sure you know what you're getting into? Their answer is, of course we're sure, even though they don't have a clue what it is they're signing up for, what it is they're being asked to risk. But there's a boldness. There's a confidence. We're quick to knock James and John for their ambition. We're quick to put the spotlight on our own humility, even if it is false humility. But Jesus doesn't knock them down. He doesn't say no to their ambitious request. Perhaps their act of stepping forward matters more than their immediate reasons for stepping forward. Friends, you and I are called to help usher in the kingdom of God here on earth. If that assignment doesn't require ambition, I don't know what does. To feed the hungry and clothe the naked and give hope to the hopeless and hospitality to the stranger is a bold move. It's an ambitious undertaking. To send a large group of senior highs on a mission trip to Maine every summer to live out their faith by working on the homes of those who are in need and to get them safely back home at the end of that nine days, it's ambitious. Think of our church leaders in 1984 who saw a need and had a vision of establishing a preschool here in our church, a place of welcome and nurture and belonging, and of the countless hurdles that needed to be overcome, the approval process, the complex questions successfully answered from the very start and especially during these last four years since the start of the pandemic, the leadership challenges have been enormous. Boldness and hard work and ambition have been needed. I think of God's co-op pantry, a ministry envisioned more than a decade ago by a, a Bible study of women whose aim was to help meet the most basic and find foundational need any human being has, food to eat, and of the hundreds of families that have been served and the thousands of bags of groceries that have been donated and prepared and given out to those who otherwise would go to bed hungry. 
It's ambitious. There's no other way to describe it. It's a holy ambition, a godly ambition that motivates us as followers of Christ to do such things. This past week, I read the story of a track meet for special kids, kids who were physically or mentally challenged. The climax of this event was the big quarter mile race at the very end. The contestants lined up, the guns sounded, they were off. And everything went well. It was a race just like most other races you've seen and until the final turn and one of the contestants stumbled and fell. As soon as the others realized what had happened, they turned and came back to the fallen runner and helped him to his feet. And then arm in arm, they limped together toward the finish line. And as that herd of runners passed in front of the crowd, everyone stood to cheer them on. No one cared to notice who actually crossed that finish line first. What difference did that make? What mattered was that they finished, every last one of them. No one was left behind. In the final analysis, that is the distinguishing mark of Christian maturity. When your ambitions turn from satisfying your own wants and needs to tending to the needs of others. When they shift from selfish ambition to godly ambition. Do any of you remember the old Saturday Night Live character, Stuart Smalley? I think some years ago I shared a story about him. He was played by Al Franken, who later became a U.S. Senator. He had an extremely poor self-image. He was anything but ambitious. He didn't think he deserved much or would ever amount to much, but he was trying. He was trying to reorient the direction of his life, and each morning he would look in the mirror and offer the same affirmation. He would say, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like me. It was hilarious the way Al Franken played that character. You and I sometimes have tapes that play over and over in our heads that are so quick to judge and to be critical of who we are and of what we can accomplish. The tapes that say things like, I don't have what it takes. I'll blow it. I'm not good enough. I'm not experienced enough. My faith is not what I wished it was. What difference could I ever make on behalf of the ministry of Christ? God's desire for us is to play a vastly different tape, a tape that reminds us each day of the truth of who we really are. What would the week ahead look like if each day you looked in a mirror and spoke to yourself the following truthful words? I am redeemed, restored, called, loved, valuable, equipped. I am gifted, worthy, precious. 
I am a child of Almighty God. I am created in God's image. I am a reflection of God's beauty, God's love, God's goodness. I will not minimize or discount who God created me to be. I will instead be bold, determined, and ambitious in the journey of faith, in the ministry of Christ that God calls me to. Friends, how might you be blessed? And how might the world be blessed if each morning you spoke those words and you believed them? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.